airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Richard is over in Studio CC. Yes. And uh, we'll try to open the phone lines up a little bit in the last segment. Uh, we got uh, Laura Perry is going to join us in the second segment. We're going to talk a little bit about her book. We talked to Laura many times. Uh, Laura was at the Marriage, Family, and Life Conference last mm-hmm. year. And uh, we're going to talk about her book, Transgender to Transformed, which is now available um, at the AFA store. But the reason I invited her on primarily is really to share again her testimony and to talk about her testimony in light of the Supreme Court ruling um, that was decided today. (laughs) And uh, so I guess the question is the question that we will explore in our discussion, really, um, at least when I when I look at this decision and Mm -hmm. I, I look at, you know, what the possible implications of this decision um, what what those implications are. And we'll talk about what the decision is just to catch everybody up and, and get everybody on the same page. My question is, how will the church survive Babylon? Mm. How will the church survive ba- Babylon? That's that's our question. And again, you know, when you tune in to Aaron the Addisons, that's, that's our focus, right? Um, our question is always about the body of Christ and how do we continue to contend for the faith? How do yeah. we keep holding the line? the line? How do we stand in a perverse generation, how do we do that without apology, while at the same time uh, demonstrating the type of compassion and the type of love that we have received? I think one of the big issues that we have is that love and compassion have been redefined, right, where you, in order to to display that you care about people, you actually have to not care about them. Mm. That's what our culture is saying today. Mm. In order to care about people the way our culture has defined it, you have to actually not care about them. We're going through right now um, teaching our kids and talking to our kids about orthodoxy, right? What is it that we believe? What are indispensable truths to the Christian faith? What is it that if you take a small portion of this away, you're no longer talking about Christianity? And this becomes vitally important to the church in Babylon right now, yeah, where there are all sorts of redefinitions. I mean, literally redefinitions are taking place right now where apologies are being made for the previous definitions of words. And now we're redefining words and saying, okay, that's not what racism is. Sorry that we defined it that way. This is what racism is. And now you have to operate according to this new definition of racism. We've been joking about that and talking about that in a figurative sense, but that is literally happening right now. That is literally happening. And so the type of culture and the type of society that our kids are growing up in, that we exist in right now is a type of Babylonian type (laughs) culture. Okay. Where there was wickedness that surrounds us. But again, and we say this all the time, the church has been here before, right? right? This, and, and I, you know, if you, you get a picture of, of a child, if you will, Mm -hmm. but this is how the church has grown up. The church has grown up in the midst of oppression. The church has grown up 
being outnumbered of sorts. And, and when I say outnumbered, outnumbered, I'm speaking in terms of power and preference, right? The church has grown up this way. And so the church has thrived and the church has been successful, one, because of the promise that Jesus Christ made that the gates of hell would not, shall not prevail against the church. Amen. But two, because of the doctrine that we fed on. Mm. Hmm. The doctrine of the church has sustained the church. That's right. Now, look, man, you, we're looking at a one two punch that incapacitates the church right now. One, it's been too easy for us, the church in America. So we haven't had the type of oppression that really the church kind of like just was accustomed to and forged through in spite of that. We haven't had that. It's been it's we've we've had it too good. All right. That's one. So we don't know what it's like to fight. We we don't know what it's like to hunker down and to say, oh, no, we won't. Mm. Because so much of it around us has been. Yes. Yes. We all agree. We're all good around here. That's one. Number two, the doctrine of the church that the church has subsisted on for 2000 years has been compromised. So we're weak because we don't have any fight. But then when we go to our arsenal, we realize that it's been replaced. Our weapons, (laughs) our weapons have been replaced. Water balloons, sprinkler (laughs) guns. You know, we 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 turn. We're like we're like quick. Where do we go for a defense? And and it's. Man, it's cotton candy words. Hmm. It's fluff. You understand? And this is where we are, guys. And so what we are constantly saying is that the church must be fortified by sound doctrine. Where do we get our orthodoxy? Where do we get our doctrine? We go to the word of God. It does not change. It does not change. And it's been good enough to raise the church for 2,000 years. Come on. You don't need any new formulas. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, it's yep. like when you talk to the old grandma, they're like, they're, you know, they're like, well, this was, this is what we did. It was good enough for us. Look at me, <laughs> you know? And that's what I say to my brothers and sisters in Christ. If we have been reared on the doctrine that we gather from the scriptures and it's been good enough to sustain the church and, and you say, well, how do we know it sustained the church? Because the gospel got to you. That's right. I know. I know it. I know it sustained the church. All right. I'm, no, I know it sustained the church because the gospel got to you. Amen. You know, like in New Orleans, we say, "Don't play around. Don't play <laughs> around. Don't be crazy." Right? How do we know that the church has been sustained? Because you know what the gospel is. Mm. You know what the gospel is. So that means that means that what Paul said to Timothy. In his second letter, Mm -hmm. the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, Mm -hmm. this entrust the faithful men who be able to teach others. Also, this speaks to the transgenerational nature of the gospel, right? That it goes beyond generation to the next generation to the next generation to get to you. You didn't get the gospel by Hail Mary. That's right. You got the gospel because people were willing to die for the truth of it. Mm. And now here we are, we're at a crossroads. So here is the, and, and, you know, we're kind of watching this, waiting to see what the Supreme Court would do. I got to tell you, and well, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I was a little bit surprised that Neil Gorsuch would have been the one who yeah. would have um, authored the decision. I, I was surprised too. On this, so the Supreme Court rules in favor of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, um, 
plus <laughs> workers. And, and why do I say that all out? Because sometimes when we say LGBTQ plus, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. We just say that. We don't know on, what that means. That's on purpose that they and that's put on those purpose. letters out there. That's right. Without so you don't have to actually think about what you're talking right. about. Right. So what does the Supreme Court rule? The Supreme Court has found that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, plus workers are entitled to the same protections of women and ethnic minorities, right? That you cannot <laughs> discriminate against them on the basis of sex. Now, now, l- let me say this, because there is something interesting, and, I, and everybody's trying to read this information, right? Like, everybody's trying to gather the information yeah. and process it. I'm no different. I'm gathering, and I'm prayerfully processing, and so my mind is racing right now with all of my my thoughts about this decision and who said what, right? <laughs> and who said what? Because I... I have some thoughts about Kavanaugh and Gorsuch right now. Yeah. All right. Me too. <laughs> man, man. <laughs> because. Yeah. Because Kavanaugh didn't even just dissent mm-hmm. with Clarence Thomas and Alito. No, but he, Kavanaugh yeah. dissented with his own special nod to say, but congratulations. Right. It's, it's kissing the ring. Like, why? Kavanaugh. Why? <laughs> I want to be like Kavanaugh. They came. <laughs> For you, okay, yeah. I, you know. I, but this also shines the light, and I think this is something that we have to take note of. Yeah, you know, we all seem like we tout, oh, we're going to get the Supreme Court justices. You know, that's the good thing about having mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And once again, you have you know at least Gorsuch, Gorsuch, and then you have Kavanaugh who dissented, but he gave a kind he of like dissented. Uh, with a congratulatory, pat on the back. He, yeah. It, he dissented with a pat on the back. I, I you know, I. And, and then you have what? Anyways. Who was it? Roberts. So I mean, yeah. the thing is, we can't just bank on we're going to have Supreme Court people that we can put in. That's that's been a talk. That's been you know. No, a, I. Well, here's what that, I would say. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you with this commentary that I would offer. This is and you know, I would say yes, you're right about that. I would it's say what proven. we have to. Right. No, but I would say what we have to do, because I also don't I don't want to go into like this sort of, you know, fatalist thought of that. It doesn't matter. Our um, our our uh, political involvement doesn't matter at all. But but what I'm saying is this erased our excuses as the church. We need to be preaching the gospel. No, for sure. You know, like. But that that should have always been true. That hasn't stopped. But I think there's been a leaning upon like. Oh, but at least we have like all that to me is gone. Like, yeah, not saying that it's not important, mm-hmm. but as a crutch that is gone. And it's time to be really serious and intentional as the church about mm-hmm. what we're supposed to be doing. That's all. Well, I'm and I agree. No. And I agree with you in that. I, I would say I would say probably what the correction is in this, because I do. <laughs> I do feel a sense of a little correction here. I think that the correction in this from the Lord, let me just say that. I think the correction in this is um, some trust in chariots. Yeah. <laughs> right. Some yeah. some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Amen. And and also, I think a little bit of the correction here is the horse is made ready for battle, but the victory lies with the Lord. Amen. Right. And so what does the scripture teach us? That there is there is one. You put your faith totally in the chariots. 
right? <laughs> okay. And and that doesn't work out for you. Right. But then two, the horses are made ready for battle. So there is a part that you play. There is something that you are doing, but the victory ultimately lies with the Lord. Now, what is the determining factor of that? I think the way we lean in our sentiment, mm-hmm. do we believe that our simply making the horses ready determine the victory or determines the victory? That's a good question. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and I no, think, yeah. I think for I'm many with, of I'm us, Leading up to this, to your point, Will, I think for many of us leading up to this, that's where we have been. Mm-hmm. Oh, if we can just get this, mm-hmm. if we can just get this, that's been articulated. Then it's it's going to be. If we can just get this, then mm-hmm. that's going to just be it for us. That's all we need. But I think what the missing element has been is that no, we we aim for this, mm-hmm. but our hope is in the Lord. Amen. You, right? said, it, this you is, said it so much better than I did. That's exactly what I was I saying. Well, I used a lot more words, but I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. And I, I just want to make it clear. Because I'm not I don't saying want, it, don't, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, yes, right. you, you stand a greater chance if you have, you know, conservative judges and, and all this in place. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is history tells us that a lot of times, cause even conservative judges <laughs> seem like they kind of go to the left once yeah. they're in place. And it's like, yeah, you know. Which, again, says that your hope cannot be in them. Exactly. Your, your hope cannot be in man, right? That your hope has to be in the Lord. And there must be preparation on the part of the church to operate no matter what happens. Amen. I will tell you, there there are spiritual implications to what we're looking at in this decision. Um, you know, but then there are also cultural implications of this. And I'm I'm struck by both of them. Of course, immediately my concern is for the church that we will continue to contend, that we'll stand for the Lord, um, that the church will continue to progress, to move forward. Now, don't use modern definitions here when I say that, okay? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, that's not, that's not at all what I'm talking about, J.D. Greer and them. That's not what I'm, you guys don't, more and them, and them, okay? Which, if you're not from New Orleans, that means and them, meaning all of them who are with them. We don't have a lot of time for a lot of words, so we usually just say and them, all right? So all of these people, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the church advancing and taking ground from the evil one, right? Reducing the kingdom of darkness and building the kingdom of God, Mm. building the kingdom of God. We'll be right back after this. Y'all stay close. Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Donnie McClurkin with Stan. Our brother Richard is over in Studio CC, and he's gotten our guest on in this segment, Laura Perry, who is the author of the book, Transgender to Transformed. Um, we're going to talk about her conversion, her coming to Christ and leaving the transgender lifestyle, and, and I guess 
within all of that, one of the things that constantly comes back to my mind when I think about the church's responsibility to tell the truth is something that Laura said to me many months ago as I was talking to her about her testimony. And she talked about her mom persisting in telling the truth and that mm. being a tether to reality. Yeah. yeah a tether powerful. to reality. That it's one of the, the most powerful phrases that I've ever heard in this conversation about the responsibility that Christians have. You know, I mean, when you think about what it is that we we are doing when we tell the truth, to say it simply, when we agree with God and speak in agreement with God. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for having me on. So, you know, of course, I'm looking at um, this decision that has come from the Supreme Court. It involved three different um, cases sort of all rolled into one. But basically what we're discussing here is that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act now applies to uh, lesbians, to gays, to bisexuals and to transgender employees who, if they, um, according to Gorsuch, are discriminated against on the basis of sex. And it seems that, you know, we have just I don't know, have we've had a collective moment where sex has been redefined. I mean, in this moment. It seems the Supreme Court is taking a liberty that I think would have been foreign to a 1964 Congress and Mm. and saying that sex refers to a person's orientation. We know that that was not even in their minds. Um, But now here we are. And that's the way Gorsuch is painting this in his opinion. Um, Laura, I wanted to have you on to get your response to this. What are some of your immediate thoughts? Yeah, and I didn't even realize until today that this case had been decided because I had been following um, the case of um, Amy Stevens and I'm trying to RG and GR Harris Funeral Homes mm-hmm. Incorporated versus Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And that was mm-hmm. the case of Amy Stevens. And so I didn't realize that that one had been lumped in with this mm-hmm. other one that had nothing to do with transgenderism. And yet mm-hmm. they lumped all three of these three. together. Yeah. Yep. And I think the reason is because the, the Amy Stevens case was um, far less likely um, to be overturned because the, the district court actually sided with the, the funeral home. Mm-hmm. But by putting it under this one that they had a little more clear case of discrimination, whether we agree with his lifestyle or not. Sure. The case in Fostick, he was, and I certainly don't, but he was doing something. He was playing in a, um, a gay softball league outside of work that had nothing to do with his work. Yeah. Um, so there they That's had a little right. bit more of a case. But in the Amy Stevens case, this man was wanting to dress as a woman <laughs> at work where he is dealing with clients or paying the funeral home to be there. That's um, right. You know, and, and interfering with their peace and their, their family kind of grieving. And he's, you know, concerned about himself. Um, and so, yeah, I was really upset when I realized that this case had been lumped in with that one because I don't think that they would have... Um, ruled in in a in favor of Amy Stevens on that case alone. And this was after six years of employment as a man, presenting right. as a man, and then to just come to work dressed as a woman with without right. notice, like with you know, and and so I think you're making an excellent point here, one that I had not even considered that you think about lumping these all together and making one collective statement with probably what would be one of the stronger arguments uh, in favor of a person being discriminated against what you're doing outside of work 
um, is not infringing upon your work duties, whether and as you say, rightly, whether or not we agree with the lifestyle. But I think that's a really interesting point that you're making there. Laura, for the sake of our audience, would you kind of um, if people are not familiar with your story, would you kind of in, in you know, a nutshell, let our listeners know what it is that the Lord set you free from? Sure. Um, well, I had um, I'd grown up in a Christian home, and I knew the Bible and everything, but I, I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. I didn't really understand that it was a choice, and I had had these feelings and desires to, um, to be a man. There was a lot of pain and a lot of trauma there, a lot of rejection, and I didn't understand it all. Um, but I really turned away from God, and I embraced my lust and my desires and the things I wanted to do, knowing the truth and uh, became transgender when I was 25, and I went down um, the entire road. I changed my name and my gender illegally. I had two major surgeries um, for that. I took all the hormones and everything, and it left me so empty and so broken. And even though I liked the changes for a while, but um, once that begins to wear off, like people don't understand, once the the thrill of that starts to wear off and you're left with, okay, this is still just life. (laughs) I still have all the same problems. It didn't fix anything, and I realized that it never made me a man. Um, but ultimately, uh, Jesus Christ just kind of interrupted my life and came mm-hmm. to me and, and drew me back to Him, showed me the truth, and drew me out of that lifestyle. And I left it to follow Christ. I, I thought, honestly, at the time, that I would just sort of grit my teeth and bear it and just deal with the feelings to follow Christ, but I didn't know that He would just radically set me free. And I have no desire now to go back ever. And I have just become, in fact, I've become so feminine that most people now don't believe that I've ever transgender, <laughs> unless I see the evidence. Like, I'm one of the girliest people, know, or um, girliest girls now. And so it's it's just been amazing. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. It's like, it's it's the little things, honestly, that you think about. You like, you know, you feel like, look at what God has done. Like the Lord, <laughs> he removes the guilt of our sin. He removes the stain of our sin. And Amen. he truly, genuinely transforms our lives. Amen. I remember after last year's conference, my daughter's saying, we love Laura's nails. And like, those are like the little <laughs> things that you're like, <laughs> that you're like, praise God. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to point out, in addition to reminding our listeners that you authored a book about what God did in your life, and I read it cover to cover. It is a fascinating book. You're going to read it quickly. You're also going to be encouraged to keep telling the truth as you read this book. The book is Transgender to Transformed, a story of transition that will truly set you free. And uh, you can get it at afastore.net, afastore.net. I highly recommend it. One of the things that I found so captivating was the role your mother played in the midst of all of this. And we'll get back to what the national discussion does in prohibiting people from coming to Christ. But there was a role that your mom played, Laura, that I just I say, you know, next to the Lord and the Holy Spirit, she was like the MVP. I mean, because, you know, (laughs) you know, of course, you've got the Lord at work and then you've got moms. Right. And that's always a scenario where the moms are trying to love their children, but at the same time, tell the truth. And your mom never gave in to calling you the name that you had chosen for yourself. She never used male pronouns. Talk about that and talk about what the Lord did with her stance. Well, you know, this is really my favorite part of the whole story, too. I mean, it's such a miracle because um, even though now I recognize that I had um, unfairly judged my mother and she'd had, you know, 
like I'm realizing now that we are all sinners and we hurt each other, you know, but I mm-hmm. expected mom and dad to be perfect. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I, I received a lot of the way she treated me as a child is rejection. Mm-hmm. I felt very rejected by her as a child. And then, um, so I was angry with her a lot of my life. And the more I held on to that bitter root, the more and more angry. So by the time I was in my 20s, I was like irrationally hating her. And mm. just wanted nothing to do with her. But the Lord, as he began to soften my heart towards her, it started with her asking me to make a website for her Bible study. Mm. And uh, that just opened the door. I didn't care about the Bible study, but it just opened the door a little bit. And through that time, she never called me Jake, and she never used the male pronouns, but she, um, and she would speak the truth, but she wouldn't chase me down with it, either beat me over the head mm-hmm. with it. But what she would do... Um, and, and like I said, she would speak the truth if it came up, but a lot of times what she was doing was exalting Christ Mm. and talking about what the Lord was doing in her life (laughs) and exalting the scripture. She was so excited about the things she was learning in the Bible. I remember like, it was just like, this is not a normal book. Like she is seeing things in the word that I have never seen before. And it was real to her. Mm. And all of a sudden what I began to see was that her faith, where I grew up seeing a lot of religion. When I was growing up in a lot of rules and you do this and you don't do this, all of a sudden mm-hmm. I was seeing real faith. And that was really the difference. And when I saw the, when I really saw the change in my mother mm-hmm. from someone that had gone to, as she has even described herself as, you know, very much a, a religious Pharisee, to going to a woman that was truly humble and filled with faith. Wow. It was at that moment that I knew the gospel was true. Wow. You know, you know Laura, so, I, oh no, go ahead. Keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and so it really was, as she exalted Christ, as she allowed the Lord to change her first. Mm-hmm. And this is what I really encourage a lot of parents that the Lord has brought to me. Um, you know, let the Lord change you. Yeah, speak the truth if you're given that opportunity. You know, a, a lot of these kids will cut their relationship off with their parents for a while. Allow mm-hmm. the Lord to work on you, because He changed her so much that it, it was like a radical difference. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately mm-hmm. was what brought me to Christ. You know, I'm I'm wondering, and I, I almost hate to ask you to do this, but I, I wonder if you have pondered this just, you know, on the other side now, coming out of this thick darkness that really um, veiled your ability to see truth for many years. I'm wondering if you have explored the thought of what might have been different if your mom had given in to using male pronouns and calling you Jake, have have you thought about that ever? Uh, you know, I haven't thought about it too much, um, but I can tell you that there were um, there were people that in my life that, that compromised, and and they were honestly, I don't want to put anyone out. They were doing what they thought was best. There was very little information at the time from the church, like the church didn't know what to do with them or what to tell them. You know, <laughs> and it, they should have. But the church was just, like, caught off guard by this, I think. And so, not to put anyone down, but there were people um, around me that, that affirmed me and called me by these names. And I tell you, um, the further I got into this, like, the first year or so, I was so into this um, that it was, like, wonderful. But after a while, like, I was reminded of the truth all the time. And I remember the guilt of knowing that my family was lying for me. Um, and I remember one, one in particular, and this is why I, this is so important. I'll never forget. I was with my, um, niece one day where we were going to go swimming and, uh, I don't remember how old she was, maybe 12 or so. And, uh, I had taken my shirt off and we were going to go swimming. I'd had my surgery and she looked at me and she said, why are you not wearing a shirt? 
And I said, well, boys don't wear shorts when they swim. Hmm. And she looked at me with the most um, puzzled look. And then after a few minutes, it was like, oh, okay. Hmm. You know, and then it was, I remember thinking like I had damaged her confidence a little. Wow. You know? And wow. I, I have felt so guilty over that for so many years because I, it's like I corrupted this innocence she had. Mm. She knew that I was a girl. And that's been very hard to deal with. And that's wow. why, like, and no one knew this guilt I was feeling inside. Everybody thinks that they're being loving and affirming this, but inside, I, the guilt was eating me alive. Wow. Mm. You know, that is, that, is, that is so powerful a thought. That is... So powerful um, just to recall, Laura, because to bring it back to this big picture, and I, I also want to make sure that we get to tell our listeners about the ministry that you're involved in. So if we have to come on the other side of the break, can you stay with us for a few more minutes, Laura? Because I want to make sure that we get that in as well. Yeah, sure but, can. Okay, so to bring it back to the bigger picture of what we're discussing today, when you take an individual who is hurting, whether that cut out so okay so when you take an individual who is hurting and then you hide that individual in say supreme court protection where now you cannot tell the truth or you will be sued you can you know this is now a federal you're breaking the law breaking the federal law i guess um to tell the person the truth um what does that do to these individuals who are really hurting well, for one, it, it it only affirms the lie, and it keeps them further in their bondage. And uh, it, let me give just one other personal example to kind of illustrate this. Mm-hmm. When I was I was working at a middle school, and this was early on in my transition, I was passing enough, and by passing I mean perceived as male, enough that most adults um, would perceive me as male, but a lot of times kids are more perceptive, I've found. Mm-hmm. Um and so a lot of the young kids had figured out that I was transgender. And wow. uh, the principal one day asked me to go into the boys' bathroom and get these three young guys that were kind of goofing off, and they were supposed to be in class. And I remember this moment of, like, they I think they know the truth. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to go in there, and I know I'm not supposed to be in there with these boys. Because even though I believed I was a male, I knew the truth. I mean, this was this internal, constant battle. Mm-hmm. And so I walk in there, and I'm trying not to look at him. All three of them are standing there at the urinal, and this look of horror came on their faces, and they said, what are you doing in here? Get out of here. And wow. it was one of the most humiliating moments of my life, but it was also humiliating for them. And I remember this look. They felt violated. <laughs> Even though everybody else believed I was a man, they, they knew the truth, and it violated them. And so... In the case, so let's say, let's bring it back to the the funeral home. Let's say this man um, is in the bathroom and there's a little girl there. You know, whether she realizes it or not, her privacy is being violated. Right. And we we open them to all kinds of risks. Um, So whether this particular person would have violated the girl or not is irrelevant. Um, But what if somebody else does? You're, You're now saying we blanketly have to accept this. Wow. Man, that is such an excellent point, Laura. I do. I want to grab this break. And then on the other side, I want to talk about the hope and I want to talk about the ministry that you are involved in and maybe some information and resources for our our listeners today 
Um, because, look, we still have these questions, right? And these discussions are not going anywhere in our culture, as we see, and also not going anywhere in our workplaces. All right, so we'll grab the break, and we'll be right back with Laura Perry, author of Transgender to Transformed, on Erin the Addison. Stay close. Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Sarah Reeves with details. And our friend and sister Laura Perry is on with us, and we're trying to make sense of a Supreme Court decision that was handed down today that on the surface looks like a loss for the Christian community, if you want to call it that. Um, and it looks like a win for it would be shortened to LGBTQ plus community. It looks like a win there. But the point that I wanted to stress and drive home, and Laura is really helping us to make this point in ways that we could not have made on our own, it's really not a win. When you look at what mm. what is a win, what right. constitutes a win, right, um, it's really not a win. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. I want to let our listeners know also that you are the author of the book Transgender to Transformed, and our listeners can get it at afastore.net, afastore.net. I personally read it cover to cover, and I highly recommend it. It will encourage you. It will challenge you. It will open your eyes. Um, You're very honest in this book. And I think that there, you know, (laughs) some of the information, I think, you know, the public is just not aware of. You know, there there are things that we're covering for stuff that we don't even know what we're covering for, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so um, anyway, I appreciate you writing this book. I think it's something that um, every church needs to have as a resource Speaking of resources, uh, what is it that the Lord is doing through you now? Talk about your ministry and talk about the help and hope um, that's available for those who are struggling with their identity and um, struggling with sexual desires. Yeah, I um, I currently work for First Stone Ministries along with uh, Stephen Black. He's mm-hmm. um, the director of First Stone. I know you guys have had him on and he's been on yes. other shows on American Family Radio. Um, and so... I, I'm just so privileged to be able, to be able to work for this ministry and for Stephen and um, work for a ministry that stands up for the truth unapologetically and unashamedly, and yet um, with deep compassion. Yes. And so, I mean, really trying to, to model the, um, the um, I don't even like the word balance, because it's, it's more of um, uh, having a completeness of both love mm-hmm. and truth. You know, not that we are perfect um, being humans, but that we try to to model um, both love and truth. And we have discipleship groups and um, all kinds of resources. We speak at conferences. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're not in our local Oklahoma City area, because we have like pastoral counseling and things like that for people that are here that want our help. But if you're not in the Oklahoma City area, we have lots of resources online. You can go to firststone.org for more information. And then I also have a personal blog um, at transgender to transformed.com. It's the same name as the title of my book. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so first stone um, yeah. dot org and transgender to transformed dot org. Right. Or transgender okay. to transform dot com. Sorry. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. Transgender to transform. Okay. Gotcha. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really do appreciate it. You know, I, I know that it's not easy for you to do what you're doing. And I know that there is great opposition that you face on a regular basis, um, but you're fearless and the Lord has equipped you for this moment. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right. God bless you. God bless. Bye. Man, Will, you know, I'm I'm so glad that Laura was able to join us because, you know, it it there's there's one thing, you know, to say from the outside, hey, this is how you're hurting people when you lie to them about their identity. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But there's something totally different uh, when a person who was in this lifestyle, who was living this lie and felt the pain is able to articulate that and to say, you know, in no uncertain terms mm-hmm. that n- no, you're not helping. <laughs> yeah. You're not helping. You yes. know, I mean, I think that this becomes a clarion call for the church to continue on in the sound doctrine that we've received. We got to keep definitely, telling the truth. Definitely. We, it's not time uh, to back down to compromise on the truth. The truth is the truth. You know, things change and come and go, but the word of God stands firm. And I think in the days ahead, you know, as the church, we really have to do some, uh, you know, examination and just understand that a lot of this stuff is setting up for mm-hmm. persecution of the church. Yes. You know, Will. as you look yes. at it, you know, I, I was uh, looking at stories about uh, black trans lives and, you know, certain. And, and so it, it's it's all I think is all setting up, you know, um, just for the church to be sectioned off to say those are the haters. Yep. And I think there will be people even within, quote unquote, the body of Christ, because, yep. you know, that will say we're not like those people who say they're Christians. We love That's people. Right. They hate. And right. and I and I can see us being lumped in with those who who hate, you know, mm-hmm. and and even, you know, what are they going to do with the Bible? And what is already right. happening? You know, right. <laughs> you know, there's there's many who are doing great violence to the scriptures. You know, mm-hmm. we see that happening in, in even uh, some of the churches where they have this gay Christian, you know, type uh, movement going on. Yeah. And all this stuff is all setting up for those who will really stand for the Lord to be persecuted, you know. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I just see it. I just see it, it lining up. So we have to be ready now. Mm hmm. For when those times come and, and, and it's happening now, but I think That's it's right. going to it's going to ramp up. You know, I'll do this. Let's open the phone line, see if we can squeeze in a few calls. Some of our listeners who've been listening into the conversation, you've got opinions about what we're discussing today. And we'd like to hear from you. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Will, to your point, I think that it is so clear that we are headed into the type of immense persecution, right? That the church really was sort of shaped by, right? Like this is where you were like, okay, who's really with us, right? Who mm-hmm. Who is it that is willing to die for the truth? Who is it that is willing to of us, right? Who's mm-hmm. really a part of the body of Christ? Right. This is something that would have been like just defining characteristics of the church in the first few hundred years of her existence. But yeah. we've gotten so comfortable, 21st century America, that we don't know what it's like to have that dividing line and then to get on the other side of it. We actually, I'm going to tell you, I think the church is functioning 
like what we just saw from Brett Kavanaugh. Mm. So the church is like <laughs> saying, the church Man. is like saying, well, um, we no, disagree, but... that's wrong, but good job. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, congratulations. <laughs> and by the way, um, let me just make sure that people understand this, right? So, so Justice Kavanaugh, there were this, we were looking at a 6 3 decision, and um, Alito and Thomas dissented together, but Kavanaugh wrote a separate dissent, and it's almost like just so that he could have space to affirm. Mm. To say, hey, I'm with you. Don't ever come for me again. All right. right? Like, don't nobody ever come for me again. And uh, along with his dissent. Right. So this is what he said. He said, under the Constitution, separation of powers, the responsibility to amend Title seven belongs to Congress and the president in the legislative process, not to this court. OK, that's great. At the same time, he wrote this. Notwithstanding my concern. <clears throat> Excuse me. Notwithstanding my concern about the court's transgression of the Constitution's separation of powers, it is important to acknowledge the important or it is appropriate to acknowledge the important victory achieved today (laughs) by gay and lesbian Americans. Millions of gay and lesbian Americans have worked hard for many decades to achieve equal treatment in fact and in law. Mm. They have exhibited extraordinary vision, tenacity, and grit, battling often steep odds in the legislative and judicial (laughs) arenas, not to mention in their daily lives. They have advanced powerful policy arguments and can take pride in today's result. Mm. That was Brett Kavanaugh, everybody. Like, I don't know if you guys. Oh, that's. Yeah, (laughs) that's that is. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great. All right, let's go to first. our friend uh, Jerry in, te- in Tennessee. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Will and Mickey. How are you guys? Good, Hey, good. Jerry. Hey, I just wanted to, Will, this probably goes to you especially. Um, I, went in, I went to last year's conference. I've, I've been to both of your conferences, and I went into that session with Laura last year, mm-hmm. and I just had this bad feeling when I went in. I didn't mm-hmm. want to hear about it. I don't I don't know what was wrong with me. I'm not proud of it. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying what I want to say though is, man, as I sat there and listened to her, I was crying. I've never heard such a powerful testimony mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's not to take away from anybody else's testimony. Yeah. But she I would have looked at her and said she was so far gone. There mm-hmm. there's I mean, can anything be done for her? Mm. And wow. I just cried as I listened to her. And so it was like a total 180 for me. Mm. I was mm-hmm. so excited after hearing her. I asked her to come to our conference in Memphis, but unfortunately she couldn't make it. Mm. But I want more and more people. So if anybody's listening, you can go back and watch her. I think you can go back and watch her video from last year. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. So, Will, I just wanted to thank you. If she was online, I'd be telling her thank you, too. Oh. And I remember oh, I remembered her comment, what you said today, her mom refusing to call her a different name. That is one of the number one things that stuck out to me from her whole thing. Her mm-hmm. mom refused to play along, and that tethered her. I remembered that word. Yes. It kept her from going further than she could have gone and pulled mm-hmm. her back. So yeah. anyway, thank you, Will. Thank, thank you, you, Mickey. Um, really powerful. 
God bless you, Jerry. Thank you you so much for that. That is really encouraging. You know, man, the Lord is working, right? He is working through our testimonies. And so, man, glory to God. And I'm I'm sure that if Laura were still on with us, she would say glory to God. Where do we go next, Will the Green? All right, let's go to Mike in West Virginia. Hi, Mike. Hi. uh, Thank you for taking my call. Hi. Um, I think uh, part of the problem is that uh, too many Christians in America view the church as um, a, a social club, mm. and also um, too many people are not interested in finding out what the Bible says about homosexual behavior because they're too busy pushing stuff that isn't even in the Bible. Mm, mm. Mike, you're on it. You you wow. are so on it. I think part of us not knowing our identity and not knowing what the church is, or, or maybe better stated, who the church is, mm-hmm. and not understanding the doctrine that has sustained the church for over 2,000 years. I think you're absolutely man. right about that. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, man, he's he's on it. I mean, yeah. and these are the tough conversations, because l- let me just say, if I could expand our brother's comments here, and then we'll go to the next caller. Um, some of what is being taught in the church um, that is not rooted in scripture, right? Has nothing to do with sexual practices. Hmm. There are many departures from truth, if you will, happening in the church That's and true. being popularized. And so th- it should be no surprise to us that when we get to conversations about sexual identity and, and sexuality, um, then also you have lies that yeah. are propagated among us. So yeah. thank you, Mike. I appreciate you calling in with that. Uh, where do we go next? Will the great, all right, let's go to George in Missouri. Hi, George. Hey, how you doing, Will? Doing good. Uh, and Nikki. Uh, Hello. Don't you think that these judges are like in Judas's and Jesus' day, <laughs> selling out for 30 pieces of silver, mm. and then in the uh, end days, isn't it like where there'll be a, Famine of the word. Mm. Uh, like, does that sound like right now? <laughs> yeah, 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 George, yeah. it does. I mean, it, it absolutely does. does. And and I'm going to tell you, I I go back, I go back to my opening comments. This is why the hope can't be in the horse, mm. right? It, the hope the hope cannot be in the horse. The hope has got to be in the Lord. And this is where we get into trouble when we put all of our eggs sort of, you know, in this one basket and the basket is built by the arm of the flesh. We have to have both of them, right? We are engaged, we are active, but we understand that our hope is in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something, if and when things do not go in our favor, we have to already have the decision made that we're not going to cower to culture, that we're not going to give in. So much of what we're seeing, So much of what we're seeing is people making it up in the moment. Mm -hmm. They have not predetermined based on the word of God, how they are going to respond in every situation. Let me tell you something. When we talk about training for godliness, remember we talked about this last week on the show. When we, when we talk about training for godliness, it is not just teaching. It's not just telling people these three points and then see you next week, right? Mm -hmm. Training is a being in the crucible of sorts. It is where the heat gets turned up and you've already made up your mind. You already know that you are going to stand for righteousness. This is not happening in the church today. Not at large. 
No, instead, what is happening is that people are being entertained maybe by a 30 to 45 minute sermon. They don't know how to take that to their everyday lives and apply it. They don't know how to answer the tough questions and they don't know how to draw the dark lines in the sand. They don't know how to do this. Guys, we have to train for godliness. This is the only way that we're going to be ready when we're faced with the questions, when we're faced with the scenarios. Our decision has got to already been made. You can't be in the nail biter deciding what you're going to do. That's right. All right. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.